Hello, my name is Andrew Laposha, and welcome to the Twilight Years. On today's episode, we will be looking at the death and final years of movie star John Wayne. John Wayne is an icon. There is absolutely no debating that. Throughout his near 40-year career, he was consistently a major box office draw. He had the starring role in 142 movies, winning one Oscar late in his career. He was typecast as the gruff and heroic cowboy in most of them, but he did it better than anyone else. When asked about the lack of diversity in his roles, he replied, I play John Wayne in every picture regardless of the character, and I've been doing alright, haven't I? He also played a patriotic war hero occasionally. John Wayne, or Duke as he was often nicknamed, personified the rough and tough man. Women loved him and men wanted to be him. Yes, Duke was a badass, even when he wore a pink bunny suit on Rowan and Martin's laughing. He was also the most outspoken Republican in show business. He was strongly anti-communist, gave support for the Vietnam War, and according to his daughter, he would have probably been a Trump supporter. But everyone loved the man. So with his persona, what could possibly kill this man? Richard Pryor once joked that John Wayne could kick death's ass. Well, for starters, he was an alcoholic. He also was one of the heaviest smokers in Hollywood, often smoking six packs a day. There was also another factor that contributed to his death. In 1956, Duke starred in The Conqueror, where he was blatantly miscast as Genghis Khan. Along with being hailed as one of the worst movies of all time, it is also infamous for giving a large portion of the cast and crew cancer. Parts of the film were shot on location in Utah, very close to a nuclear test site. In fact, during the previous year, 11 nuclear tests had been carried out at that location. After filming in Utah ended, producer Howard Hughes, the famous eccentric billionaire, had 60 tons of soil shipped back to Hollywood to match the terrain they had been using. To be safe, the filmmakers asked the government if it was safe to use the soil, and they were told that it was. Over the next 30 years, 91 of the 220 cast and crew members developed some form of cancer. Director Dick Powell died of it seven years after the film's release. Other cast members, such as Agnes Moorhead, John Hoyt, and Susan Hayward, all eventually died of cancer. Lee Van Cleef developed throat cancer but died of a heart attack. Actor Pedro Armendariz committed suicide after his cancer went terminal. Several relatives of the cast and crew who visited the set had cancer scares at some point in their lives, including John Wayne's son and brother, as well as Susan Hayward's son. And of course, Duke himself caught it. Even though the nuclear fallout from filming The Conqueror could have been a contributing factor to his cancer, the main culprit was probably his extravagant smoking and drinking. In August 1964, shortly after production of the movie Circus World, Duke weighed 260 pounds and had a persistent cough that often led to delays in filming. Despite this, John refused to see a doctor. Eventually, the producers of his next movie, The Sons of Katie Elder, told him they would not start production until he saw one. At the Scripps Clinic in La Jolla, the doctors did some tests. They found a spot on his lung. After more tests, he was told that he had lung cancer. Fearing it would ruin his public image, Charles Feldman, who founded the famous artist talent agency, issued a statement that Duke was having surgery to fix an ankle injury. When he told his eldest son Michael that he had the big C, Michael thought he meant the clap. Dr. Johnny e. Jones was the head of his treatment team. Wayne pleaded with Dr. Jones for an alternative to surgery as he did not want to hold up production of his next movie. The doctor firmly told him that they would have to remove his left lung and perform biopsies to see if his cancer had spread. 
One of the few people Wayne told was Paramount executive Hal Wallace, who decided to shoot around him so that he would be easier to replace if, God forbid, Duke had to be replaced. Katie Elder's director, Henry Hathaway, who would beat cancer himself, visited Wayne in the hospital several times. The operation was performed on September 17, 1964. The surgery lasted for six hours. Several of his ribs were removed so that his decaying lung could be taken out. A 28-inch scar that ran from his chest to his back remained on him for the rest of his life. When Duke awoke from surgery, he had such severe head and neck swelling that his eyes were shut for days. At one point, an infection occurred and Wayne fell into a coma. He improved, though, and Dr. Jones told him that the cancer had not spread. With a lot of rest, he could pull through. On October 7th, Wayne was discharged. He left the hospital incognito wearing a fedora, a heavy button-up coat, and a scarf around his head. He did not want anyone to know. It didn't work. Almost immediately, reporters were calling, asking what was going on. He told a reporter from the Los Angeles Herald-Examiner, There's nothing wrong with me that getting out of the hospital won't cure. I haven't had a heart attack, and I don't have cancer. His recovery was difficult. He experienced extreme nicotine withdrawal and shortness of breath. Sometimes he would hold and smell an unlit cigarette. Despite his denials, rumors flew around for a couple of months that Wayne had cancer. Finally, Duke conducted an interview with his friend James Bacon, where he revealed the truth. Wayne told Bacon, I had lung cancer, the big C, but I've beaten the son of a bitch. Maybe I can give some poor bastard a little hope. The next day, Bacon ran the story in his syndicated column with the headline, John Wayne Beats Cancer. The reaction was positive and only helped his image. It also raised a new kind of awareness for lung cancer. He helped reduce the fear and shame of having it and proved it won't automatically kill you. Four months after surgery, Wayne began filming the Sons of Katie Elder, traveling on location to Durango. Breathing was still difficult, and when he wasn't filming, he had to have oxygen administered to him. He was also noticeably overweight. He knew his future in Hollywood depended on the completion of this movie. Thankfully, it was a success. Throughout the 1960s and into the 70s, Wayne continued to pump out movies, even winning an Academy Award for his performance in True Grit. However, his personal life started to take a turn. His relationship with his third wife, Pillar, started to sour. The two had been sleeping in separate bedrooms for the past few years. After his Oscar win, Duke grew distant from his family. It seemed like he was spending more time shooting on location, leaving Pillar behind to run the household. On top of that, there was another woman. In 1973, Duke became involved with his former secretary, an attractive young woman named Pat Stacy. Pillar offered Duke the opportunity to divorce, but he refused. He was devastated by this offer. He and Pat talked about the possibility of marriage, but Duke had been married three times before, and he knew it was too late to try that again. That same year, Duke's good friend and frequent collaborator, director John Ford, passed away. Ford had been in ill health for several years at that point, and Duke visited him on his deathbed. Ford died the day after Wayne visited and was greatly saddened. However, instead of turning to Pat for comfort, he turned to Pillar. He missed being with her and everyone, even Pat, knew that. Duke even thought about ending his relationship with Pat and reconciling with Pillar, but they didn't. Pillar knew that Pat was there to stay, and she moved on with life without him. Wayne and Pillar never divorced. If you're like me and you wanted to start a podcast, but were not very tech-savvy, you wouldn't have known what to do. Then I heard about Anchor. 
If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. In 1975, Duke traveled to Oregon to shoot the sequel for his Oscar-winning role to be titled Rooster Cogburn. The high altitudes of Oregon caused his old cough to return, and he was diagnosed with walking pneumonia. He was hospitalized twice. During filming, he had lost 15 pounds and suffered an inner ear infection as well as exhaustion. Both of those went away, but his cough never did. After filming on Rooster Cogburn ended, he checked himself into Hogue Hospital to fix a knee injury. He also went back to smoking and was up to a pack a day. He also returned to the hospital because his cough was that bad and developed into a staph infection. He stayed there for a month. In April 1975, Duke agreed to present the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Academy Awards to his friend, director Howard Hawks. Duke received a standing ovation, but he was noticeably frail. When Hawks accepted his award, the two made light banner on stage. Wayne was exhausted by his appearance at the Oscars, and he spent a lot of time resting at his home in Newport Beach. On January 13, 1976, he began production on what would be his final film, The Shootist. In the movie, Wayne played an aging gunfighter named J.B. Brooks, who visits his old friend, a doctor played by Jimmy Stewart. The doctor tells Brooks that he is terminally ill with cancer. Stewart's role was small, and he only agreed to the role because Duke had requested him specifically. Because Stewart wasn't appearing in movies as frequently, he was only paid $50,000 for his role. Most likely knowing that The Shootist would be Duke's last movie, director Don Siegel paid tribute to Wayne by using footage from his earlier classic westerns. By doing this, he seemed to piece all his cowboy characters together as one iconic figure. When The Shootist was released, Duke's performance was praised as one of his all-time greatest. Despite this, it was only a minor success. However, Duke still appeared in the top 10 that year for Mailbox Office stars. Duke's cough only got worse as time went on. His voice was becoming hoarse and his weight was going up. When he reluctantly agreed to go to the doctor, he was diagnosed with congestive heart failure as well as an enlarged prostate. Many treatments were done for both of these ailments, and they greatly weakened him. However, Duke insisted he was fine and did heavy publicity for the shootist. He actively campaigned for Gerald Ford in the 1976 election. When Jimmy Carter won the presidency, Duke sent him a congratulatory telegram. At one point, he checked into the hospital for routine surgery to relieve pressure on his urethra for the enlarged prostate. Shortly after this surgery, President-elect Carter invited Duke to appear at his inauguration. He even gave a heartfelt speech at a pre-inaugural reception, saying he was a member of the loyal opposition. Despite his illnesses, Duke believed he would do one more movie. He had recently brought the rights to the at-the-time unpublished novel, Bo John. Early in 1978, President Carter invited him to witness the historic signing of the Panama Canal Treaty, but had to decline because of illness. His mitral valve had deteriorated and would have to be replaced with open-heart surgery. Because of his frailty, it was possible that such a surgery would kill him, especially with only one lung. 
He was admitted to Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston on March 29, 1978, the night of that year's Oscar ceremony, of which Duke was scheduled to present an award. The surgery was performed a few days later, and the valve was replaced with one from a pig's heart. The surgery went fine, and he went back to Newport Beach. Things seemed to be going fine when he contracted hepatitis and checked into Hogue Hospital. After his discharge, he spent time resting on his yacht, the Wild Goose. More pain had developed, this time heartburn and severe stomach pain. He went back to Hogue, and the doctor told him that they would have to remove his gallbladder. Duke didn't want to do another surgery and declined. But his pain grew worse, and he agreed to an operation on January 12, 1979. The surgery was transferred to UCLA. Wayne decided to tell Pillar. He met with her at the restaurant she recently opened. They had not seen each other in a while. She could tell he did not look well. He made her promise to take care of the kids. She cried as he left. It would be the last time she saw him alive. When he checked into UCLA Medical Center, the worst was revealed. He had stomach cancer that had spread to his lymph nodes. Most of his stomach was removed and he had to eat in small portions. When he went back home, Pat became his round-the-clock live-in nurse. Wayne made his son Michael the executor of his estate. Duke agreed to radiation therapy, even though it was not going to help. Around this time, a bill was introduced to award John Wayne the Congressional Gold Medal. Even though Wayne was very ill, he made one more public appearance. He had been invited to present the Best Picture Award at the Oscars that year. He told himself he was going to make it, and he did. The ceremony was held on April 9, 1979, and was hosted by Johnny Carson. When Wayne arrived at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion that afternoon, he received tons of ovation and respect from everyone there. Wayne took it in, saying, Hell, I'd have gotten sick before if I knew I'd get this kind of treatment. Wayne was taken to a bed where he would rest for several hours until he was called on stage. When it was time for him to present, Wayne was taken to his entrance spot. Carson stated, Last year, an American institution stood right here and said some heartfelt words about another American institution. A clip of Bob Hope was played from the previous year's ceremony the same night he went to the hospital for his heart surgery. In the clip, Hope said, Wayne, we expect to see you amble out here in person next year because nobody else can walk in John Wayne's boots. The lights went up and Carson said, Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Wayne. Duke entered to both thunderous applause and gasping. He looked thin and frail. When he spoke, he spoke quietly. That's about the only medicine a fella would ever really need. He continued, Well, Oscar and I have something in common. Oscar first came to the Hollywood scene in 1928, so did I. We're both a little weather-beaten, but we're still here and plan to be around a whole lot longer. When Duke read the names of the nominees, he mispronounced some of them. Michael Cimino and three others won for The Deer Hunter. Wayne hated the movie, but he kept that to himself. After the show, Wayne met Christopher Reeve, who at the time was riding high off of playing the title role in the recent Superman movie. Wayne turned to a nearby Cary Grant and said, This is our new man. He's taking over. After the show, fights broke out over political differences in many of the nominees, some of them physical. Wayne stayed away. His daughter Asa took him home and put him to bed where his doctors told him to stay. This time he listened. Pat Stacy stayed by his side and comforted him as best as she could. She knew the end was near when at one point 
he asked for his .38 pistol so he could kill himself. On May 2nd, he was hospitalized again and the cancer had spread to his intestines. At one point, President Carter visited him and Queen Elizabeth sent him a get well card. On June 5th, the doctors made the decision to stop feeding him intravenously. As he was dying, he converted to Catholicism. On June 11th, 1979, at about 5.30 p.m., Wayne died. He was 72 years old. His funeral was held at Our Lady Queen of the Angels Catholic Church and was officiated by the Archbishop of Panama. He was buried at Pacific View Memorial Park and his grave was unmarked for 20 years until 2001. A month after his death, Congress approved the awarding of the Congressional Gold Medal to Wayne. It was officially passed to his family on March 6, 1980. Duke continued to receive awards after his death. On June 9, 1980, he was posthumously awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. The year he died, the Orange County Airport was renamed the John Wayne Airport. In 1999, the American Film Institute placed him at number 13 on the list of the greatest male screen legends. Even today, John Wayne is one of the most popular actors of all time. He always will be. Thank you all for listening to The Twilight Years. Please don't forget to subscribe. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. The links are included in the description of this episode. If possible, leave me a review. If you have any requests for somebody you would like to see talked about on this podcast, let me know and I will do my best to get to them. Thanks again for listening. My name is Andrew Laposha, and I will see you next time. Thank you.